podcast we're going to be featured one featuring one of our own uh, from the church uh, skip koshak who's going to be talking about paradigm shifts of the cross how the cross actually causes us to see everything in a vastly different way some really good stuff here and we got a lot of good things going on you can stay up to date with those at northshorevineyard.org but for now let's go ahead and head to talk skip koshak thanks for listening Always watch out when you get invited to breakfast. <laughs> and Crispin, you're going to run PowerPoint? Okay. So, it's a pleasure to be here. Can everybody hear me okay? Yes? No? Maybe? Yes? Okay, thanks. Interaction. It makes me confident that you're at least awake and listening. Uh, so, as Crispin said, uh, I am Skip Koshak. Brief introduction. Uh, Pam, my wife of 30 years and uh, a couple of our kids are here. Uh, we've been hanging out with this group for going on four years. We've been around the vineyard for a long, long, long time though, longer than the four years we've been here. And we're happy to be here. So what I wanna talk today about, and uh, I'll open this up with prayer, but let me give you a roadmap. I'm gonna talk about paradigms and the problem with paradigms. And then I'm gonna focus on the paradigm of the cross. So we're going to start out, open with prayer, a little bit of foundation on paradigms, what that concept is. I'm going to give you a couple of examples. And then I'm going to focus on the paradigm shift that occurred when Christ died on the cross. Does that sound good? Yeah? Interesting? All right. I'm going to warn you right now. I rabbit trail. I do have a timer that I need to start right now. So I'm going to, I'm going to work to stay on time. I'm going to work to follow the outline, and I think I'll get it pretty well. I'm not going to read a lot of scripture, but I'm going to refer to a bunch of scripture. So if I refer to something that's not in the outline, write it down. You can look it up later. Um, but I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time reading through scripture. So having said that, let me open up in, in prayer on top of the prayer Crispin offered for the, uh, uh, for the offering. Father, I just ask that you bless our time together this morning. And most importantly, I just ask that my words would be your words, and that anything that I say that isn't of you, that is of my intellect or my crazy mind, that it would fall harmlessly to the ground, that no one would be harmed. But Lord, those things that are of you, I ask that they would burn and that they would help us to, to grow and maybe challenge our beliefs in Jesus' name. All right, so, and I'm going to look back and forth as Crispin pulls the PowerPoint up. Okay. All right, good. Paradigm shift to the cross. Um, so next slide, please. Great. So what is a paradigm? Okay. The only corny joke of the day is that it's not two dimes. Okay. But what it is, is it's a set of beliefs. And remember I said earlier, paradigms could be problematic, right? Like the earth is flat. That was a paradigm. 
and it got proven wrong, right? Well, some people still believe the Earth is flat. There's an Earth, Earth's flat society. Another one that's actually more serious is that people believed in the early church, and when I say that, I mean the early organized Catholic church, that everything rotated around the Earth and not around the sun. And this guy Copernicus comes along and he says, no, actually, I think based upon mathematics and observation that everything ro uh, uh, revolves around the sun. Well, people got their heads chopped off for things like that. So paradigms can be very serious. Um, but also paradigms can help us unveil mystery. And when that happens, there's a paradigm shift. So that's when we go from seeing things one way to seeing them another way. And in the case of faith, we have a great example of a paradigm shift in a guy named Paul, who thought one way about Christ, then had a revelation, and completely shifted the way he viewed Christ. In fact, I would argue that's one of the greatest paradigm shifts in, in all of Scripture. So next, Crispin, thanks. And Crispin's doing a phenomenal job on the uh, PowerPoint there, so I just want to point that out. Um, so the history part, real quick, is, and I wasn't there when this happened, just as a confessional. There are going to be two things I'm going to talk about in history. One's the telegraph and one's the railroad. And in 1844, the first telegraph line was laid, and back in those days, it was a huge accomplishment. Today, we're like, oh, yeah, big deal. It was between Baltimore and Washington. But it was the first time that information was translated over the wire. So before that time, it had never happened, and most people believed it couldn't happen. But once it happened, I mean, it's unleashed everything to this point. I'm holding up this iPhone. It probably wouldn't exist if the telegraph hadn't been invented, or the Wi-Fi that's in this building, or this wireless microphone. So it was a big deal. And actually, uh, when it happened, the first message that went across was, what hath, what hath God wrought, which was a scriptural reference in Numbers. In other words, oh, what's going to happen now? A lot of stuff happened. Next slide, Crispin. All right. Promontory Point, Utah. So this is about 20 years later. Who, know, who remembers it from history, Promontory Point? The Golden Spike. The Golden Spike was driven into the transcontinental railroad that linked east and west. Okay? And remember the Golden Spike. It's a spike driven by man to commemorate a big change, a big paradigm shift in transportation. Okay? And in fact, it was a Golden Spike. And I've got a picture of it there. It was so important, people realized how big a deal it was that they made a spike of gold to commemorate it. Okay? Uh, next slide, Crispin. So don't yell the answer out, but by a show of hands, who knows how many time zones in the United States, if you got on that train where it started and got off of it where it ended, the first passengers on that transcontinental railroad, how many time zones would you have gone through or been in when that happened? Show of hands. Okay, I've got, I've got people saying four, four, one, four, I got four, 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 do I hear a five, five, do I hear a five? Okay. Three, I've got a three, I've got a six, okay. Drum roll, Crispin. Oh, Crispin's falling down on the daggone job. 
The answer is there were no time zones. <laughs> Don't miss the importance of what I just did to you, though. You assumed, based upon your current understanding of time zones, that they must have existed back then. But they didn't. In fact, time zones don't exist. Well, let me give homage to our little local time. Right, we still use that term, local time, don't we? Like on the Weather Channel, they say, and the local time is. There's no such thing as local time anymore because we have time zones. But back then, local time was the time in the town square in every single town you went through. So you got off the train and you changed your watch to match the local time. Okay, next, Crispin. All right, so time zones, the railroad and the telegraph go together nicely because if you're scheduling trips on the railroad, it's nice to know what time it's going to be in the places that you're going. So the railroad via the telegraph establishes the informal time conventions, and then later, many years later, Congress, like 50 years later, Congress in the U.S. establishes the time zones. Okay? So the paradigm shift that I want is, uh, we've talked about the paradigm shift, but the thing I want to reinforce is whether you traveled the trains or not, when Congress passed that law, it established time zones, and it changed the way we looked at time. Whether you had a watch or not, whether you lived in the mountains or in the city or not, the change occurred. Okay, next slide, Crispin. All right, so that was the history, the foundation, establishing what paradigms are. And there's a whole bunch more we could talk about that, and you can talk to me later if you'd like to. But what I want to focus on now is, okay, that's great, Skip, but what's the paradigm shift of the cross? How did it make, f you know, fundamental, foundational changes to our lives, whether we realize it or not? The first thing I want to say about it is we went from one golden spike to three beat-up, rusty old nails that had probably been used by the Romans to, to crucify other people. There was no fanfare about what happened on the cross, and, and there was mockery about whether or not Christ was a true king. The Romans made fun of him. The, the Jewish establishment of the day hated him, derided him. So we're not at Promontory Point, Utah, driving a golden spike to recognize a, a, just a phenomenal change in transportation. We're back at the cross at Calvary where he's treated like a criminal. But what happened there is a billion times greater than what happened at Promontory Point. That's my point. Next slide, Crispin. So what did he do? What did he do and what did the cross do? I'm only going to cover a couple of things, okay? There's a ton more to talk about here, but I'm only going to talk about a couple. The first one is he redefined in a singular act what love is. Remember people thought the earth was flat and then it got proven that the earth is round or nearly round. So some people had to change their minds about it. Up till that moment on the cross, and even now for some of you and even me, because I'm struggling with this every single day, what my notion of what love is, how I define it, now has to go to his definition and challenge my thinking toward, uh, to his reality. 
No greater love. Next slide, Crispin. No greater love. This is like a definition. It can't get any better than this. It can't get any more defined than this. No greater love. Have me or Pam or Matt or Crispin, right, or Mandy, for anybody than to do what? Lay down their lives. I can stop here. It's really that simple. The concept. Now walking it out, that sucks. <laughs> right? Tell me I'm not the only one that struggles with this. Thank you. Right? Because every time I lay part of it down, I want to run over and pick it back up. Right? Pam can tell you. Me as a husband. <laughs> right? Matt can tell you. Me as a dad. Great most of the time. Beck's walking out the back door. She doesn't want to comment. <laughs> but it's true. But when I take my behavior, and not just my behavior, when I take my mindset, my paradigm, and I say, Lord, what does love look like? He says, look at that. So he redefines love for us right now, not just back then. That's when it happened, but it is applicable now, just like the time zone's changing. Next slide, Crispin. Okay, the love part's great, and the love part's important, okay? Now we get to talk about how can we walk in that love? Because he didn't just say, hey, here's what this love looks like. He also said, I know you struggle, because I struggled. But I'm going to give you the power to overcome the things that cause you to act in unlove, if there's such a thing, right? So he establishes the power to help us overcome the things that would cause us not to love ourselves and other people, right? And so here's some of that scripture reference that I talked about. So Romans 8, 2. Um, and again, I'm not going to read through all these. Um, the early, earlier one in Ephesians was Ephesians 5, 2. We've got Romans 8, 2. We've got Galatians 2, 20. Um, Galatians 2, 20. Now, this is Paul. Remember, this is the paradigm shift Paul. Right? This is the guy that was chasing Christians down and killing them because they were wrong in his earlier mindset. But now he comes back and he says, listen. I get it now. I was crucified with Christ, and yet I live. Not I, but Christ within me. So what's the secret to the power? The secret to the power is that it's not mine, and it's not me. It's not anything I bring, but it's me recognizing what Christ did and then accepting that power into my life to allow it to transform me. I think in Philippians it talks about, Paul talks about renewing my mind. We sing songs about transforming. This is real stuff. And if we follow him, not if but when, and when we allow the spirit in, 
And I took some notes, uh, Faith, thank you. We didn't collaborate on the songs that Faith was going to sing this morning, but it was awesome because it's like she was with me writing this, this uh, message. What are some of the things we sang about? We talked about God as the awesome creator. We talked about Jesus is worthy and he represents love. We talked about the spirit is power and life. And that's the truth. And when we allow that spirit power in, it transforms us so that when we act, we act naturally in love. Okay, next slide. So the power defeated sin and death, and I didn't focus on that a lot, but it's true. He breaks the back of the enemy. He defeats sin and death. He liberates us from the things that would literally kill us. And he releases the power of the Holy Spirit to abide in us if we allow him. This is a great deal, y'all. I don't know if I'm getting through. I don't know if he's getting through to you. But this is like a great deal. This is like... Oh, like good news? Right? This is like life-changing, life-altering, transforming. This is like when you hadn't seen Joe for two years, and when the last time you saw him, he was a dirtbag that beat his wife, and you saw him two years later, and he's like the most humble person on the planet, and he's recognized the, the crap that he has done, and he's transforming his life. He's not doing it, but he's allowing the spirit to do it. Okay? You're looking at one of those people? Right? Crispin talked about Celebrate Recovery. When we had breakfast, I shared with him. I don't boast about it, but I'll share it with you. This year, on my birthday, thanks to my wife, I'll be 30 years sober. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's cool. But it's not me. It's not anything I did. I want you to hear that. It's me recognizing that's a bad way to live. Having a person to point that out to me who loves me. And if you ever want to hear that story, I'll share it with you later. And then saying, okay, I can't live that way, but how can I live any other way? And then meeting this guy called Christ. And I'm still a work in progress, don't get me wrong. Okay. Allowing that abiding power of the Holy Spirit, you have access to it right here, right now, if you want it, if you'll allow it, but you have to want it. Next slide, Crispin. All right. Who was on the camping trip? Okay. So some of y'all heard this. I'm sorry it's going to be a bit of a repeat. It's Crispin's fault. <laughs> the stinking revelation. We spent I don't know how long going through this stinking book. Right. I'm going to recreate for you, and again, for those that were at the Sunday service we had at the camp out, just bear with me. So we're in the throne room, right? Revelation. And I was thinking about this when Faith was leading us in worship, when we were talking about praising him forever. And I'm like, dang it, we're back in that throne room. And I'm Peter, 
and you're Peter, and you're with me. We're all there. We're all together. And we're standing in front of the throne. throne. And on the throne is God, right? And remember what's happening. I mean, it's the biggest rock concert in history. People are praising. Angels are singing. Elders, these wacky guys are singing. We're all singing. Peter's freaking out because all this adoration is happening. And it's like, where else would you want to be? This is awesome. And then because God does this to us, paradigm shift, paradigm shift, pretend like this is a scroll, the one that we've all just got through and all of creation says you're worthy, you're the greatest, you're number one, says, okay, watch this. Who's worthy to break the seal on this scroll? You. <laughs> You, right? It's like, you, break it. Come on, show us what's on it. Paradigm shift. God says, you don't know me fully yet. Because there's more about me than you know. Because there's one that's worthy to break the seal, and it's not me. How can that be? How can that be? But, nonetheless, God said it, so it must be true. So now we're like, okay, well, who's worthy? Well, I know one thing. It's not me. And I love you, but it's not you. Right? And evidently, it was nobody else that was in the throne room in that moment. So then one of these wacky elders, well, first of all, Peter and us start weeping. Because nobody's found worthy. And if you want to read through this, go back to Revelation. Get it all in context. But nobody's found worthy to break the seal. And so it's like, man. I just went from the peak, from the roller coaster, the top of the roller coaster. Can't get any higher. I'm here praising God with all of creation. And then he does that. And there's nobody here to break the seal. So now I'm hopeless. I start crying. I'm in despair. Hint, that's kind of our life. The highs and lows, right? And then this wacky elder says, don't cry. Taps me on the shoulder. Here comes another paradigm shift. The lion of the tribe of Judah is worthy. Now, I'm still looking at God. I'm crying. This guy taps me on the shoulder. And then he uses the words that in my context and background, I'm going to appreciate because I'm a Jew and I've been waiting for the next King David, who is the tribe of Judah, the lion of the tribe of Judah. And he says, the lion of the tribe of Judah is here. It's like, what? What? Here's the conquering king. I knew it was coming. I've been waiting for it. Here it comes. And so now I'm going to turn because I've been looking at God. And I'm going to turn around because I want to see the conquering king because I know he's probably got an army. He's probably got armor. He's probably got sword. You know, we're talking Chuck Norris. We're talking Rambo. We're talking whoever, right? Paradigm shift. I turn and I see one, one standing as a lamb who was slain. I'm like, God, you're messing with my mind again, right? You're messing with my mind again. But I'm going to draw this all together because Chris and I were talking about this at breakfast, and I said, to me, 
and this is me, I'm not telling you this, thus saith the Lord, I'm just telling you this is me, but this is what the Spirit is confirming, in, at least in me. I think all that happened at the same time. I think when Peter is praising in the Spirit, at least telling us the story of the praising in the Spirit, three spikes are being driven. And Christ is being raised up on the cross. And when all that praise and adoration and worship and recognition of God is happening, as it should, Christ is paying the price to shift our paradigm, to shift the paradigm of the world. And in the moment that God asks the question, who can break the seals? Christ is breathing his, or the seal rather, Christ is breathing his last breath on the cross. And then when the elder says, the lion of the tribe of Judah is here, that's right after Christ says, it is finished. And in that moment, when Peter turns, he sees the sacrificed lamb. And he sees, and we see in that moment, the transformational love. That the way we live love is to lay our lives down like a lamb, innocent, spotless. That the way we overcome our flesh and sin is to accept that he defeated them the way he did on the cross and to allow the spirit to come in. Is this getting through? At least, is it, can you comprehend it? <laughs> cool. Next slide, Crispin. Oop, sorry. All right. So this is kind of summary, right? So we're coming in. We're, we're, we're on, the, uh, on the end of the mission here. I want to just remind you where we walk through and then talk about what's going to happen next. Um, he bridged the gap between God and man. Context of the cross is we were separated from God. It doesn't matter how we got separated, by the way. We can talk about the Garden of Eden and all that, and that'd be a cool conversation. But at the end of the day, we were separated from God. And the only way to reconnect with God was that Christ had to do what he did. And he did it. Paradigm shift on the cross. He broke the back of the enemy. I already told you that. Just a reminder, this is a recap. So, so the enemy of your soul, I, I, I want everybody to nod your head with me on this one, has no power in your life. You need to believe that. Because he, she, it, whatever, doesn't. The only way the enemy has power in your life is when you do what? Allow it. Who remembers Flip Wilson? The devil made me do it for this older in the crowd. There's no such thing as the devil made me do it. That's a lie from the father of lies. That power's broken, dead, gone, don't let it come back. Tell it to get behind you. It has no power in your life, period. Don't allow it. 
Defeated sin and death, we talked about that. The end result of sin is, is separation from God. That's death. It's not this physical death stuff. We're all just vapor. All this stuff around here is make-believe in a world that we don't belong to. Listen to Switchfoot. Come back and talk to me. <laughs> Liberated us from the flesh. I talked about that. Now, here's where I'm going to bring it all home. Changed eternity forever. Changed eternity forever. That railroad, we've never looked back on transportation. Now we're sending people into space. Before that, you had to walk or have a horse. Most people didn't travel very far. Jesus didn't travel very far. Most of us today will travel more in one, you know, from point A to point B than Jesus ever did. Think about that, as a man, anyway. Now, he traveled great distances as God, right? Um, communication, we talked about that. Never looked back since the telegraph. And now we're doing all sorts of things with atoms or whatever flying through the air, electrons flying through the air, okay? But we don't have to wait to access the power and the result of the act on the cross. It's not about hanging around here and waiting until we die so we can be reunited with God and all that. We're reunited with God right now, if you want to be. Right now. Access to all the power, right now, if you want it. Transformational life, right now, if you want it. So don't say, oh, you know, I just don't feel, you know, I'm not sure it's true. It's true. It's true. Do you accept it? It's true. We can send people to space. If you've never seen a rocket, you may not believe it. I'm telling you, people go to space. It's true. Oh, was I done? Okay, good. Then that means I was done. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm out of time. Um, all right, so here's what I'd like for us to do. Um, we're going we're gonna to take communion, and then we're going to have folks from the prayer team to pray with you or even just talk. If some of you want to talk more about this notion of this paradigm shift, if you want to talk more about this throne room revelation stuff, or if you just want to talk about things you're struggling with and, and how can we access that power, Whatever you want to do, we're here, and it doesn't even have to be up here. Just grab somebody and talk. So with that, um, this, the savages, thank you, are going to come up and, and lead us. And you're going to play some music? Yeah. Crispin's multitasking now. He's going to play some music. So in as orderly a fashion as we can, without running over each other, Come on up. Um, Father, I just pray over this, this bread and, and this uh, grape juice. Um, just help it to be transformative in our lives. Lord, again, I just pray that anything that was of you, I ask that it would stay with people and that it would uh, be a seed planted. And anything that wasn't of you, Father, I just ask that it would fall harmlessly to the ground. In Jesus' name.